What is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at. Come on, downtown, west side, Monterey, Mexico, all of the places. We are so blessed to be able to do church together, and I'm so glad, especially today, because today is Baptism Sunday, and uh, and of course, you know, Baptism Sunday, the, the, the order is a little different. It's a little more chaotic. People are kind of walking around. It's kind of like exciting. And uh, we're, no, we're going to have some fun today. If you, if you haven't noticed already, uh, we're a little different here. And uh, again, my name is Pastor Peter. You probably were like, hey, I knew it was different when I came to a church called Substance, right? Uh, which I, I uh, it's the, the name, really the whole idea here is we just wanna scale everything down to the nitty gritty substance of joy-filled Christianity. And uh, I, I, the only thing we don't scale back is the fun. Can I just say that? that, that I don't know what that was, but it was just me dropping fun on all y'all. Uh, so hopefully you'll feel joy today by the end of the service, but uh, I, you know, before we dive into the, the whole meaning of baptism, I just, I, I, real quick little survey. How many of you, when you were younger, you wanted to be a professional athlete or you were sure you were gonna be? Come on, just raise your hand. See, see, okay, all across. Like, I, I, think, for, I, I think for most young men, there's a, there's a, you know, you dream about being a pro athlete. We've had a lot of uh, pro athletes from, you know, Twin Cities franchises come you know, we've had Minnesota Vikings come to church here, Timberwolves, Wild, Twins. Uh, you know, most of us never made it that far, though, okay? Like in our dreams of pro sports, okay? Most of us had a moment where we realized, ah, I'm not going to make it. You know what I'm saying? Most of us had that moment around seventh grade. <laughs> Am I right? You know, just because your mama says you're beautiful don't make you a supermodel, as the saying goes, right? Let's be honest, I, I think, you know, and that's hard, it's hard to embrace, why? Because every one of us has this desire to be significant, to make an impact, to be a somebody, and, and yet life seems to conspire against us, doesn't it? At some point or another, you're not gonna measure up to what you want, right? I remember one moment like that for me is I remember when I was in 10th grade, I had these two really cute girls who were over at my house, and I wanted to impress them so bad. I, I, I was open to dating either of them, right? But I, I just, <clears throat> and I wanted to impress them and I thought it would be a good idea to show them my athletic prowess by doing a handstand on a chair, right? And so, you know, like where you grab the, the seat and then the handle and then you just, you just go up there and you flex. You know what I'm saying? I th- and, and so I thought, you know, I can do this. I was very athletic. I thought, you know, so, but the chair was in our dining room, and of course, when I jumped into my handstand, I had a little too much momentum, and my body started tipping over, and then my whole body fell into my mom's decorative hutch filled with all sorts of irreplaceable knickknacks, which came crashing down. It suffices to say that neither of the girls wanted to date me afterwards, right? I was like, what? What? Okay, I'm just saying all of us longs to look good, but life conspires against us. And I I think personally, you know, I I think personally that's why we are obsessed with like superheroes. Why do people keep going to superhero movies? What is it about superheroes? I think all of us loves the idea that somehow there's somebody that can transcend the normal reality. You know what I'm saying? I think all of us 
has a secret desire that maybe someday we could fly or shoot laser beams out of our eyes. I don't know what your thing is, but all of us are going to experience the limitation in life and we're going to want more. Guess what? God actually put that in your heart. God put it in all of our hearts. There is more. I think deep in our hearts, we know there is more to life than what we are currently experiencing. God put the desire in us for a transcendent life, which is why we're kind of obsessed with things like this. In fact, God, God put that in us that we might seek him, okay? And let me, let me show this to you in the Bible, okay? Check this out. Jesus was actually telling his disciples about these types of things, and he's actually saying the good news is this, is that God wants to give you supernatural ability. And then he gives them a promise that is absolutely intense, out of John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus, again, Jesus is saying, hey, my time on planet Earth is very short, so, uh, but the, here's the good news. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do, get this, wow. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, time out, Jesus. Because, I mean, did Je I mean, Jesus did a lot of crazy things. He raised people from the dead. He healed the blind. He cast out demons. I mean, he did a lot of things. I mean, you can't even go barely a chapter or two throughout the Gospels where Jesus was not doing something crazy, miraculous. And, and yet, get this, he literally says that his true followers are gonna do even greater things than these. Why? Because I'm going to my Father, okay? Greater miracles. I mean, I'm just saying that's pretty intense that his followers are gonna be doing greater things than him. So then it begs the question, well, then why are we not? Well, some people are, right? But there's, what, why, why is Christianity not associated with miracles? Well, the Apostle Paul actually explained this, that in the last days, okay, before Jesus returns, in the last days, Christianity is gonna go through a shift. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and then, and then here's the twist. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, there's gonna be forms of Christianity where it is a ritual, it is an ideology, but it is no longer a supernatural invasion of spiritual power. It's gonna be something different. People will have a form of it, but not the actual power. And, and that's gonna be a sign that it is the last days that, that Christianity will be reduced to a religion. It will be reduced to an ideology amidst ideologies. It'll be basically just another philosophy that we can stand around and debate. Let me tell you, when you see a demon cast out of somebody, you will no longer talk about it like it is philosophy. It's gonna change. When you see it, all you, you have one option. You either live in, in, in sequence with that reality or you deny reality. That's the only option. There is no such thing as a, a debate when you see a miracle, okay? Because all of a sudden, you realize, I either want to reject this wholeheartedly or I do not. That is generally the reaction that Jesus would have on people. 
which is why they would either get mad or they would get joyful. Really, those are the two options. I, I just, I, I'm saying this because I, I just, I think it's interesting to note that I think we're in the last days. I think that there's a lot of, of, of Christian, Christian religion and dogma that just den, that denies its power. And I, to be honest, if I could be truly honest with you, that's actually why I didn't want to become a Christian for many years is because I thought, well, who wants more dead rituals in their lives? I want something that actually, truly is transformational, and I just don't see it here, okay, until I did, right? Uh, like many of you guys have heard my conversion story. Normally, I, I share it at our newcomers' events, which, by the way, they're happening tonight. Uh, if you're new at Substance, you can actually come have dinner with me tonight, you know? Uh, you can actually just take out your phone and, and sign up for it. So like our downtown campus, our west side campus, and our north town campus are all gonna be doing newcomers dinners. And we try to do these regularly, but Carolyn and I are actually doing it live tonight at our north town campus. And we'd love to meet you. Uh, but I, I share all of this because normally at our newcomers dinners, I like to share my story of how I, I gave my life to Christ in a nightclub. Before I was a Christian, I, I was an electronic dance music producer, which some of you are like, oh, it all makes sense now. Um, but uh, okay, but <laughs> for real, I, I, uh, I've always been into music and media, and, uh, but I, I was not open to Christianity. In fact, I did have a Christian friend who was always trying to talk me into faith, and I was like, yeah, no, um, uh, I'm not interested in that. I was very clear I was not interested in faith. Because I, again, it was just, I, I equated it with dead ritual or just mean people. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't understand what the Bible actually taught. Um, but, you know, life has a way of leading you to God, doesn't it? I, I, my good friend died in a car accident. And then uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she found her father's body right after he committed suicide. It was awful. Two, two deaths in a week, and it rattled me two funerals, and of course I had to work at a nightclub that weekend, and I just couldn't fake it anymore. I couldn't fake life anymore. I, I couldn't, you know, when somebody close to you dies, you, you, you have to ask deeper questions. You realize the fragility of life. It forces you to stop faking life. Stop, I mean, all the pursuits just felt so meaningless that week, and I, I finally, at the nightclub, I literally was at the nightclub and I'm like, hey, I hate this, I hate life. What are we doing? We're pretending to have fun. This is so lame. And I, I literally was in the DJ booth when I prayed, God, if you exist, if you are real, if you did make the universe, then uh, you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. Just give me a sign. And I, I prayed that prayer and I remember when I finished, I, I kind of snapped out of it thinking, what are you doing? Dude, you are so depressed, you're praying. And, uh, like, I'm just being honest, right? I thought, wow, that's, a, that's like what you do right at the very bottom. And, uh, and, and my next thought was, Peter, you need to go on your smoke break. And uh, I'm just being fully honest. And so I, I started going out of the nightclub, and a guy stops me as I'm leaving the nightclub, and he goes, I know this is weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life, and he wants you to follow him. And it kind of freaked me out because I'm like, I just prayed that prayer 30 seconds ago. Who are you? What do you want? Like, did you just, what? And I, and I kind of made him repeat it again. I go, what did you say? And he goes, Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. And I think he thought I was like, like mad at him because, you know, he said it a little more sheepishly. 
And I was, I was scared, though. I was literally scared. I had never had a prayer answered like that. I, I was almost like, is this really happening? Is this happening in a nightclub? Is this? And, and so I, I told him, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I think he thought I was mocking him, like, what am I supposed to do, Jesus boy? And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> but and he, I, like, he didn't know, he didn't know how to handle me. I didn't know how to handle him. And I'm like, because in my mind, I'm like, you have no idea. I just prayed, and then you just showed up, and you just said Jesus was the plan for your life. And so then he gave me this, like, one-minute gospel presentation, and, and that was it. I went to church with that guy the next day, okay? So that, that was, like, my, that opened me up to God. Obviously, I still had a lot of skepticism, but I, I felt like I needed to, at the very least, rethink my preconceived notions of who God was, and the more I read the Bible, the more I realized, wow, Christianity is all about supernatural power. In fact, I was so curious about exploring my faith, I thought, what's the most radical thing I could do to explore my faith? And it was move to Africa and do missionary evangelism. And within six months, that's what, I went to Ghana, West Africa, and uh, went to all these villages where people were really desperate for, for Christianity, and places where there was no health care, no hope for some of these people that had disabilities. And, and sure enough, a woman came up to me, blind, had cataracts, white, just her eyes were literally white. She couldn't see. Her sister had to lead her up and said, hey, she, it was like, would you pray that God would restore my sight? Well, I didn't even know fully if God did that, but he showed up in my nightclub, so sure, I'll pray for you. And so we prayed for this woman to receive her sight and she started shrieking, and I was probably more surprised than she was, okay? I'm just gonna be honest with you. I had never seen an undeniable miracle like that ever in my life. And it's it, like, I mean, outside of the nightclub, right? But it was like, it was so shocking to me. I, 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 I remember thinking, you know what? I know there's more. There has to be more. And sure enough, I started seeing more. When you seek God for more, guess what happens? More. The next summer, I decided, I went to, I, I spent my summer in Thailand doing missionary evangelism. I saw a leg grow out in front of me. I literally saw someone get demonically delivered. And let me tell you, when you see that, it just, you pray more. I'm just saying. It, you kind of have a holy fear of the Lord because you start to see, oh, there's more to reality than what I can physically see. And, and it changed me. And I, I just... The reason why I'm talking about this is because one of the gateways to the supernatural is a little experience called baptism. And baptism, as it, was as it was practiced by the apostles, it was meant to symbolize a funeral and a birthday party all in one little ritual, okay? So, like, for example, in Romans 6, the apostle Paul teaches that we lay people down into the water to symbolize a gravesite committal. In other words, it's a funeral. So when we lay people into the water, it's a death. And, and what, is, what is it a death of? Uh, it's not a, a literal death, but it is a figurative death to our agenda. In other words, when people get baptized, you go through your own gravesite committal where you're saying, I am dead to my agenda. It's not about me. It's not about me controlling my money. It's not about me doing what I wanna do. It's not about me controlling my time. It's, it, it's not about you anymore. It's not your agenda. It's God's agenda. Your life now belongs to God, which is why Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. In other words, I was baptized. I was buried with Christ. Christ now lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. Okay, so, so it's not just a burial service, because that would be a really, if we just like dunked people under the water and held them there, that would be a very sad baptism, okay? No, there, it's a funeral service followed by a birthday party. When you come up out of the water, Christ is literally living in you and through you. Does that make sense? In other words, we raise people back up to symbolize Christ is resurrecting in us and through us. And so when you come out of the water, you're like a superhero, okay? It's kind of like the old school Superman. Clark Kent would go into the phone booth. He'd come out, okay? In other words, you're able to do it not because of you. You're dead. Christ now lives in you, okay? When, when God looks at you, he sees Christ, okay? So now, here's a quick little theological question people ask me, though, when it comes to baptism, okay? Does, a lot of people have asked me, well, okay, does baptism actually save you um, according to the Bible, okay? In other words, let's say you've accepted Christ, you repented of your sin, you were crossing the street to go get baptized, and bam, you got hit with a car. Would you go to hell because you didn't get water baptized yet, okay? Now, Allow me to explain this using a, a funeral metaphor once again. Have you ever been to one of those funerals where um, they started burying someone who wasn't fully dead yet, but everybody knew they're gonna be dead soon, so they just threw some dirt on them and stuff like that? Have you ever been to one of those funerals? No! <laughs> you probably haven't, and why? Because that would be called murder, okay? We only bury things that are already dead, okay? If you're burying people in order to kill them, be sure to talk to one of our campus pastors because you might be a serial killer and not know it. <laughs> Seriously, though, okay? Like, you bury things that are dead, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, you don't bury people to kill them. Uh, so if, you, if you're wondering, salvation... It, you don't, it doesn't literally save you, it's the outward sign of the inward witness, okay? In other words, Galatians 6.15 actually teaches it's not about the rituals, it's, about the, it's not about the outward symbols, it's about the surrender, it's about what God is actually doing on the inside of you when you accept Christ, he makes you spiritually a new creation. And so what you're doing is, is you're just doing a ritual to show on the outside what God is doing on the inside. Does that make sense, everybody? Okay, so what you're saying is, when you get baptized, is you're saying, God, I believe that you can live my life better than I can live my life. You're saying, God, I actually believe that you know what I want even better than I know what I want, and that's why I'm actually saying, hey, you're saying Jesus take the wheel, okay? You're saying, God, live my life through me, which, you know what, will make you a better spouse. It will make you a better employee. It will make, I mean, like, and some of you, you could use this. This might actually save some of your friendships, you know what I'm saying? And, and then watch what the Bible says. Ah, oh, this is so cool. I love this. Luke 12, 8, Jesus says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. Whoa. That means some of you, when you publicly testify today through baptism, 
Jesus is going to testify in front of the angels. Hey, that's my guy. That's my girl. He's going to testify in front of the angels. Hey, angels, I want you to target that person. Well, why is that important? Well, Hebrews 1.14 says, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Angels will be sent out on new assignments to serve you with supernatural favor. In other words, when you publicly testify uh, that you belong to Jesus, Jesus will publicly testify before all of heaven, hey, heaven, I want all of heaven's resources to start invading that person's life. And man, that's where things start getting fun, church. I'm just saying, hey, you're gonna have supernatural power in your life, and don't get me wrong, God doesn't just allow me to do whatever I want whenever I want it, okay? There are some times where, because the Bible does say that we need to pray in accordance with the will of God, 1 John 5, 14, okay? So some of your prayers are not in accordance with the will of God. God, kill my boss. God, help me win the lottery. You know what I'm saying? God's up in heaven saying, ah, if I did that, it would destroy you, okay? So at the end of the day, you do have to pray, not my will, but yours be done, which is the whole purpose of baptism, not my will, not me, I'm dead. I no longer live, it is Christ living in me and over time you will see the difference. You will see God is better at living your life than you are. But it's a daily surrender, okay? So every day I have to remind myself I was baptized. I no longer live, Christ, I want you to drive the way you would drive. I want you, you know, like, and how does Christ drive your car? Okay, some of you that'll change your driving. You know what I'm saying? It changes everything. It'll change how you tip. <laughs> It'll change how you treat people. It'll change everything, okay? So as one last example of the benefits, if you're wondering if there's supernatural power when we surrender to God, I, I always wondered, hey, God, is there actually tangible, is there any research that proves that Christians have a different power to them? You know what I mean? There, if, if this is true, if the gospel is true, there should be secular scientific research showing that there are significant differences for devout Christians than for the general population, wouldn't you think? I, and so I started researching this. Many of you guys know that. I, I wrote a book called Broken Escalators back in 2015, and it's all about the statistical predictors of happiness. And I, I kept thinking, if, if the gospel is true, if it is filled with joy, then there should be a statistical difference amidst devout Christians from a secular research standpoint then you know, because, and I found a lot of the research actually would point to that. In fact, listen to this, this is crazy. There's so much evidence to show that Christians are significantly statistically different than non-believers when it comes to joy in their lives, when it comes to even things like mental illness, when it thinks to, and get this, okay, Let's start with life expectancy. Did you know that people who go to church regularly live seven to 14 years longer than the general population? And that there's no other group that has this sort of, of epidemiological result, okay? This is the major science, okay? They found that if you go to church twice a week, you live longer than any other part of the population. Get this, let me quote this out of the study. Overall, the reduction in mortality attributable to church going 
is 25%, a huge amount in epidemiological studies, okay? Epidemiologists are people that study epidemics and life expectancy and mortality rates, okay? So, and, and if that wasn't crazy enough, uh, what, what I found was even more mind-blowing, okay? They found that, again, people that attend church religiously not only live significantly longer than the general population, but not surprisingly have better physical health in all sorts of different areas. They have less sick days when it comes to work. Uh, they have better sex lives, more sexual fulfillment. They have better grades. They literally get better grades than the general population, people that attend church twice a week. They have higher academic achievements, more likely to have uh, bachelors and masters and doctorates. They have better mental health. They're like 27% less likely to experience clinical depression. And they are better at time management than the general population. For every statement I just made, I have a major university study, multiple university studies, that share the same thing. And, and if you're out there and you're skeptical, I get it. But all I'm trying to suggest is this. What if the Bible is true? That's it. All I'm suggesting is what if God actually does reserve supernatural benefits for those that follow? What if the power of God truly does fall on us like he promised it would when we testify about him through a simple act called baptism? Listen. I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get because I'm not very good on my own. Every time I try to be good on my own, I end up falling flat on my face. And here's the secret. Here's the secret. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. And when that happens, Christ in you becomes your hope of glory. Some of you, you want a hope of glory? You want to hope that it can get better? You wanna hope that your physical body can be something better than it is? You wanna hope that your marriage could be something better than it is? You wanna hope that you, you can, can live a life that is actually transcendent, that truly impacts planet Earth? Listen, here's the secret. Stop living and start letting Christ live it through you. And I'm telling you, he will make you into a new creation. And I know that sounds like a tall, like a tall promise, but I'm, I'm telling you, you're gonna start seeing miracles today. Some of you who are getting baptized, you're gonna start seeing miracles. You're gonna see addiction break off. And, and that's what we're gonna do through baptism. And listen, even if you didn't even plan on getting baptized today, don't let that stop you, okay? We got extra t-shirts and shorts if you didn't come ready. The water is warm here too, by the way. So we're not mean, okay? We didn't just fill it with ice cubes to make you suffer, okay? So, um, you know, the water's warm, no. And, or, or here's the deal, even if you need a reset, Listen, some of you are like, well, I've gotten baptized before. Is it okay if I get baptized again? Yes. Some of all y'all need to get baptized a hundred times. You know who you are. And, and listen, some of you might even need to buy your own hot tub and just do it every night, okay? You know, I, I'm just saying. No, listen, the only thing we require here is that you would die to your agenda and let God birth his agenda on the inside of you. And if that's something you're interested in, then we're gonna have some fun today. And so here's what I wanna do is I just wanna end with a simple moment of prayer. And maybe you're here and, and you're like, you know what? I've never really given my life over to Christ. Well, we're just gonna do that with a simple little moment of prayer. Or maybe you have and it's time to reset that. Then the moment I start praying, I want you just to agree with me in prayer. And then I'm gonna do a little repeat after me moment. And, and I just want everybody who's done this before to just join in on that prayer. And let's just allow God to do something special because man, I could use Christ in my life this week more than ever.
And so would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's just do business. God, you see who, who we are, you see what we've gone through, you see what we've done, and yet you still died for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And I pray that people would experience true, biblical, joy-filled Christianity. And, and God, you see where we're still skeptical, and you, you, you get that, you understand that. That's why you love to reveal yourself, and I pray that you would reveal yourself to a few new people just like you did to me in that nightclub. I pray that it would just be, Lord, we just know that your presence is disarming, it's peaceful, it's filled with joy. And God, I bet you there's a lot of people here today that could use that joy. And so we just surrender to that joy right here and right now with this simple prayer. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me starting today of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as people are going to get baptized, I want you guys just to be sure just to give them a rowdy celebration. And uh, let's just continue to worship God throughout this service. But as we do this, we're going to have our campus pastors come on up and tell us where we're going to go next.